Thank you, Rick, and thank you, ladies, for leading us in worship of our great God. And I want to share with you some, some prayer requests that you can remember throughout this coming week. Some of them have come through in the prayer chain. Others are something that has not yet been known. We want to remember to pray for uh, Tim Bordner. That is uh, Joanne Kiefer's brother. Uh, most, I'm sorry? Tom. Thank you. Tom Bordner, as he was um, uh, apparently taken to the hospital, somewhat of an emergency surgery or some surgery that happened and Unfortunately, when they performed the surgery, they found that there was nothing more they could do for him. Uh, so you want to remember uh, Tom Bordner, please. Also, Brianne Reed. She'll be going and having extensive more tests to help in her health situation. We received that through the prayer chain and also Nathan Mosser and well, Nathan is here today. He has some good days and bad days as he still, his body structure is strengthening and trying to accomplish what it needs to, that he can enjoy doing the things that he loves to do. Then Michael Ryan was uh, hit in the face with a tree branch a contusion that needed stitches, but also there's a chance that one of his uh, nasal passages received a break. So we want to remember these this morning and others that are heavy upon our hearts. Thank you again for praying for our daughter, Stephanie. She is home now. And uh, yesterday as she spoke to us, she said she feels the best that she's felt in a long time. So we thank you for your prayers. And uh, Tuesday, she goes to one of her physicians, and Lord willing, they will remove the pick line because uh, her, her uh, need for antibiotics will be over at that time. So continue to remember them in prayer. We would appreciate that, as these others also. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, your word tells us that we are to pray for one another, to encourage one another. We are to uphold each other before your throne. It's that place where we find grace and mercy to help in time of need. These individuals, Lord, that we have mentioned this morning are in need. They're in need of your touch. They are in need, O oh Lord God, of your peace that passes all understanding that will guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. They're in need of you, O oh Lord God, giving wisdom and direction to doctors that uh, in their condition 
they would find some answers that would help in the medical realm. But when the medical realm falls short, I thank you, Lord God, that you are beyond them. We were awakened even this morning to to, uh, hear of Tom Bordner, and we know, Lord, that he has been in this battle with, with cancer. And the doctors, unfortunately, feel that there's nothing more that they can do. But that doesn't mean that that's impossible for you. I pray, O oh God, that by your grace and for your glory and by your will and through your will that you would continue to minister in the life of Tom. And would you, Lord God, by your glory, touch him beyond the, the forces of medicine. I pray, Lord, that you would stir his heart toward you. I pray, O oh God, that in this experience, this particular battle that he's going through, I pray, Father, that that his eyes have been awakened to his need to know you. For your word tells us that the goodness of our God is what leads men to repentance. And you have been good. You've been good through this storm that Tom's been going through, and I pray, O God, that he would recognize that and would, would, would be willing that he would be instilled by your spirit to turn his life over to you. We thank you for working in the life of Brianne and, and also Nathan. In the days when they don't feel up to snuff, we say, I, I ask, oh God, that you would strengthen them. I ask that you would somehow, in some way, by your grace, touch them wonderfully, Lord, and strengthen them. In issues of, of questions, I ask, Lord, that you would give doctors, nurses wisdom on what they should do in order to help in the realm of giving to these two young people, giving to them health that, that Lord, they can use for your honor and for your glory. We lift up to you too, O Lord, Mike Ryan, and, and through his accident that he's had, we thank you, Lord, that it wasn't worse than what it is. Thank you for protecting him I pray, Lord, now as Martha ministers to him, I ask, Lord, that you would strengthen Michael. And, and Lord, and even if he does have a, a broken bone in his nasal passage, I ask, Lord, again, that you would give the doctors direction as to how to, how to repair that. And all of these requests this morning of individuals, O oh Lord, who are on beds or of affliction. Some are sitting here with us this morning, but yet, Lord, they just don't feel well. I pray that you, O oh Lord God, would see them through and strengthen them.
for those who could not be with us this morning. And though they wanted to, but yet their health has kept them away, I again ask, Lord, for your healing process to begin in their bodies. We thank you for your word. Some of the misconceptions we have on the subject of our liberty in Christ. I pray, O oh Father, that your word and your spirit would teach us things. That if we have some misconceptions, we can be corrected tenderly by your spirit. Grant the words that I say, Lord, not to be my words, but yours. And give us, O oh Lord, an understanding, a heart of receptivity, that, Lord, that we would just not hear, but we would apply to our lives. And those things that we don't understand, we pray, Lord, that you would bring clarity to them. And I pray, O oh Father, for your strength this morning. And may you receive all the honor and the glory. For it is in the matchless name of Christ, our Savior, we ask these things. Amen. When it comes to the, the issue of liberty, some individuals equate that more to a statue than to the word of God. In fact, uh, the first statue that they see for many years that has been the, the Statue of Liberty. It'll soon come, we, we, we trust. There it is. The Statue of Liberty, if you are in the southern part of the island of Manhattan at Battery Park, and that's where you catch the ferry to go over to what they call Liberty Island. It is this statue that for many years, individuals who have sought freedom and liberty in this country, as they came over by boat, later on by ship, they saw this particular statue and they realized that they were now in a place where tyranny was not going to rule. There was another statue, more so in a building type, that is called the Freedom Tower. This particular tower was built in honor, if you will, of the two Trade Center towers that were taken down here, here on just about a little over 17 years ago. On September the 11th, 2001, the two Trade Center Towers came down, and, and you might remember as the Facebook was coming around, where were you on that particular day when that, that news came to us? The Freedom Tower now has, is there, and individuals look at that again as a symbol, if you will, of what freedom is in this United States. But I want to draw our attention to another symbol where true freedom comes from. It is in the cross of Jesus Christ. 
That's where true freedom is. And in fact, in the words that are penned for us here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 to 15, we see this theme of liberty. In chapter 5, verse 1, it reads this way, Stand therefore, stand fast therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So what is freedom? Thank you, Diane. You can take that off. For some of us, when it comes to understanding our freedom, we're like a boy who one day told his mother as he was sleeping and his mother was trying to waken him. As he began to sheepishly open his eyes, he proclaimed this statement. I would like today to be the day where I can do what I want to do and not do the things that I don't want to do. I want this day to be a day of freedom. The mother, seeing an opportunity for a great teaching lesson, said, that's a great idea. Why don't all of us in the family proclaim today to be a day of when we can do what we want to do and don't do what we don't want to do. The young boy, being satisfied with that, fell quickly back to sleep. Eleven o'clock, he finally rose himself from bed and went down to the kitchen expecting to find breakfast made. And he proclaimed to his mother, where's my breakfast? And the mother said, well, I didn't feel like doing that today. And so he went to the cupboard and got a box of Cheerios and a bowl and, and milk. And as he was pouring the milk on his Cheerios, he looked out the window and he saw his younger brother taking his bike out of the garage and began riding it. And he proclaimed, hey, that's my bike. You're not allowed to ride that. And the brother yelled back, but today is a day of freedom. And this is what I wanted to do. Well, as the day wore on, the young boy realized that freedom isn't about doing what we want to do and not doing what we don't want to do. True freedom is in abiding with rules and laws that keep us free. The mother and father of that family didn't have to teach him any more that day, for he succumbed to the teaching. I don't know if that is true in our society today, let alone, in, unfortunately, in some of our churches. Our society today is focused on a freedom by which I can do what I want to do and you can't tell me that I can't. If you were to do a historical study all the way back to the purposes of the Statue of Liberty, that, that uh, first slide that we saw, you would understand that the Statue of Liberty was established not for the fact that individuals could come into our country and then do what they want to do. It was established for them that they're coming out of a country of tyranny 
And now they are coming into a country that is free, but in order to have all of those freedoms, they needed to become, through a process, known as Americans. I don't think that's the philosophy of this particular society today. Our society is focused on doing their own thing. And you've seen the advertisements. In the advertisement for being in the United States Army, it's be all that you can be. Burger King used to have, have it your way. Virginia Slims and their advertising in the early, late 1960s and early 70s was, you've come a long way, baby. It was all about freedom. Freedom to be what you want to be, but yet at the same time, no one can tell you what you cannot do. That's not what the Apostle Paul pens for us in these words. He directs us to what true freedom is, for he says, stand fast. He says in verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. I've given to you, at the beginning of your study notes there, not only this particular verse, but also something that says, if true liberty in Christ is not being set free to do whatever we want, rather, we are set free to do what is right and to be what we ought to be, then how do we reckon this truth to our Christian lives? There are three areas of definition, if you will, or truths that highlight this theme, or this very biblical theme of what it is to be free in Christ. You have theological, theological truths, you have personal truths, and then you have social truths of what it is to be free. Let's take a few moments in all of these areas to at least lay a foundation from the biblical perspective of what it means to be free in Christ, our liberty. The first one is this, in the theological truths of being free, the first is this, being free is a relationship with God in which we are no longer held by the curse of the law and a sin status. We're no longer held by that. In fact, you might remember as we began our study, that's the theme of Galatians chapter 5. That individuals were being persuaded, if you will, to go back and adopt if you, and adapt to a lifestyle that is contrary to grace. They were adding to their salvation. In other words, they believed that in, to be truly forgiven by God, you must be Jewish. And that was the theme that was being presented to them. And many of the individuals 
succumb to it. And throughout chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is laying out his credentials as an apostle, but chapter 3 and 4, he lays out, if you will, the biblical truth. In chapter 5 and 6 is the application of that biblical truth. In 3 and 4, the biblical truth is this. Anything added to Jesus Christ becomes a curse. Because you'll stop following Jesus Christ in order to adopt and adapt a different lifestyle that runs contrary to grace and truth. They were becoming again entangled, it says in verse 1, with a yoke of bondage. And the yoke of bondage was the curse of the law. The question then arises, then is the law wicked? No. God never promoted and never will promote anything that is wicked. The law, as is established here, is for our teacher. It is the one who shows us that we are sinners. Because we can't fulfill all of the law. And because of that, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, Galatians chapter 4, to redeem those who were under the law. The only one who fulfilled every aspect of the law was Jesus Christ himself. And when he died upon the cross, willingly giving, shedding his blood for us, he fulfilled all that God demanded. He was our propitiation, according to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2. Not only ours, but for the whole world. He satisfied the requirements of God. And so I give you some verses there that you can peruse later if you wish to look at some of these particular verses that highlight being free as a relationship with God in which we're no longer held to the curse of the law. In Romans chapter 6, verses 18 and 22, it states emphatically, having been set free from the law. We've been set free. And then in Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, Jesus Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. The theological discussion very firstly is if you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you are still under the curse of the law. John explains it well in 1 John 5 and verse 12 when it says, he who has the son has life. But he who has not the Son of God has not life. It's emphatic. In fact, there's really only two options listed in the Word of God. The one option is, is that you can be set free. The other option is, it's your choice. If you choose not to be set free, then you do not have life, period. 
The second part of the theological truths is this. Being free is the result of the death of Jesus Christ. Christ's death redeemed us from the curse of death. John chapter 8 and verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. It is by the death of Jesus Christ that we truly have been made free. And lastly, the third one is this, is that being free is life in the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We've been set free. But I caution you. Being set free in Jesus Christ still does not give you the right to do whatever you want to do and don't do what you don't want to do. There are some emphatics, if you will, statements in the Word of God that dictate things that we should do because God has said to do them. Let me give you a couple of them. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's not an option, by the way. That is a command. Wives, respect your husbands as unto the Lord. That's not an option. That's a command. Now, unfortunately, in churches and in society, those have become options of whether I desire to or not. Here's one for the children. You thought you'd get away with something, didn't you? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's not an option. If you choose it to be an option, there are consequences you may not want. But that's your choice. You see, in reality, true freedom in Jesus Christ, as described in the book of Romans chapter 6, is this. It's twofold. First, being set free by Jesus Christ from the curse of sin but at the same time, becoming a slave of Jesus Christ. Doulos is the Greek word, in case you're interested. And becoming a slave of Jesus Christ, then and then only do we truly experience what freedom is all about. Because a slave always does what the master says. And it is in that that you will find true freedom. That brings us to the personal truths of what it is to be free. Being free is personal in the sense of being liberated to be what God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. Prior to that, there was nothing you could do 
in order to bring any of God's favor upon you. All of our works, Isaiah tells us, are as filthy rags. But in Christ, now we have all that we need to do what God wants us to do and to become what God wants us to be. That is the personal side of freedom. And I will tell you this, that when an individual comes to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they can make a decision to not follow after Christ. We don't like to hear that. I don't like to see that. We're talking about the realm of sanctification here. Sanctification is a process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And believers can choose not to do that. Looking for a biblical example? Try Jonah on for size. Jonah determined that he was not going to do what God wanted him to do. Understand this, dear people. Write this down if you need to to remember it. When we begin to wallow in the waters of disobedience to God, sometimes there's a big fish waiting to swallow you up. That's the lesson from Jonah. Sometimes God will bring a big fish. And you may have to live inside that fish for a while until that fish will vomit you out onto the land and then I'll guarantee you, you will do what God wants you to do. It's a personal thing. Let me ask you a very personal question. Where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not doubting the fact that you have placed your faith and trust in him. What I'm asking you, are you doing what he wants you to do in order to become what he wants you to become? That's true freedom. That's what the Apostle Paul is writing here in the book of Galatians. It is about being set free, but it is also about Becoming a slave of Jesus Christ. Secondly, being free is personal in the sense that now we become slaves of Jesus Christ. Herein lies true freedom because we are now identified with Christ and set free from the bondage of sin. Romans chapter 6 verse 15 to 23, you read it. Let me give you a snippet of what you'll come across. The Apostle Paul says, that whom you obey, you will become their slave. You can either become a slave of sin or you can become a slave of Jesus Christ. A slave of Jesus Christ, you will be free. A slave of sin, you'll be held in bondage. Thirdly, Being uh, being free 
is the liberation of a person's spirit from everything that shackles it to sin. Aren't you glad there are people that God has given us? Ephesians chapter 6. Because in those verses from 15 to 23 is our armor that we have in order to be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles of the devil. And we do that by dressing ourselves with the instruments of the armor. For it is only in that will we be able to stand against the fiery darts of darkness. I'm preparing something for the next session of adult Sunday school classes. I've asked Brother Harold if when we change adult classes, if I could do a series on spiritual warfare. I'm looking forward to that. But in that battle, I'll need your prayers because that's something that the forces of darkness don't want you to be informed about, by the way. And if you desire to sign up for that class when it comes, you will be attacked. It's inevitable. But I'm here to tell you this morning that I've been set free from those chains. I've walked in darkness enough. We've been set free. And I want to equip you. I want you to know how you too You may be struggling with some things, but I want you to know that you too can be set free. Because we have the armor. Lastly, it's a social issue. The social truths of being set free is this. Those who have been set free by God through Christ and in the Spirit are those who live out this life of freedom By loving others. It's being a witness. It's about being a community of care. It's being set free so that we can deal with people that the world has given up on a long time ago. It's about sharing the gospel. Those are the three areas of really what it means to be free and have liberty that is in Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you this morning, in our modern society, the meaning of freedom and liberty means doing whatever I want with no consequences. None. But I'm here to tell you this morning that that's not what true freedom is. True freedom is realizing that the consequences of sin has already been dealt with in Jesus Christ. So how is it that an individual can truly become free? The first thing they need to do is this. The person must be frank before God 
and themselves. The word of God calls this confession, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. An individual has to be open to the word of God. Secondly, one must be fully trusting in Jesus Christ to experience true freedom. And lastly, one must then live, which we will get to in a few weeks, live in the Spirit. What does it mean to live in the Spirit? If you want true freedom, that's the steps. The question that's on the table this, this morning is this. Where are you? Where are you? Are you held in bondage, chained, if you will? Or have you truly been set free? I trust. And by the word of God and the power of God, that this morning would be your day to be fully and truly and experience the liberty that we have in Jesus Christ. Can we pray? Father, these are harsh words to some. Some may even look at them as being condemning words, but they're not. They're words of freedom. To experience true freedom, we must realize of who we are and who you are. To fall fully upon the finished work of Jesus Christ, who has paid the debt to set me free. And then to willingly become a slave of yours, Lord Jesus, and live in the Spirit. That's what true freedom is. Those here this morning, Lord, who may be struggling, I pray, Heavenly Father, that your words would drive deep into their hearts. That they would realize that being bound to the ways of the world is not what true freedom is. And I pray, O oh Father, that you would work in our hearts to change our lives so that ultimately we can be used by you to reach a society that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in this realm and in this way, we will praise you, O oh Lord God. Amen.